0: I'm Melissa Joan Hart, otherwise known as Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I gotta say, it's good to be here on Halloween weekend hosting SNCC. Why, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you did. Because tonight, Nickelodeon brings you the world premiere of an original movie called Cry Baby Lane. It's scary, spooky, and special. All that stuff we teenage witches go for. I, for one, am pretty psyched. So, pop up some popcorn, get a blanket to hide under, and... Hmm, maybe one more thing. Some company on the couch. <laughs> here comes Nick's original movie, Cry Baby Lane. down
1: your spine. Oh no, okay. <laughs>
2: Alright, I'm good, I'm recording. We can just start whenever.
1: Cool. Um, I mean, I'm gonna leave this. I'm gonna leave this in. Like, I just I, I just finished watching the movie right before we started talking and I just Like, that's my first reaction to it, so...
2: Fair. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hi. Hey. This is where we ask the question, remember the odds?
2: Yes. Do you remember this?
1: Okay, so I knew nothing about this until you mentioned it to me. Um. So this is a completely forgotten part of Ott's history to me. You suggested this. I think it was a great idea. I'm just still reeling from it. <laughs>
2: yes. I don't think... Um,
1: and this- mm-hmm.
2: I was just saying, it's hard to, like, talk about anything else.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, there are certain things that you watch where, like, I mean, like, I'm not working today, Um, but there are certain things that you watch where you feel like you need to take off of work the next day. <laughs> Like Akira When I watched Akira I was like Well how am I supposed To go to work tomorrow Fair I still have to process this Yeah I feel a little Similarly to this Like how would I Be able to do Anything productive today With what I just saw
2: Ladies and gentlemen And everybody We are talking about The 2000 Nickelodeon Made for TV special Cry Baby Lane
0: Saturday Nickelodeon brings you It's first ever Halloween Television Cry Baby Lane, Saturday at 9, 8 Central in a special Halloween sneak.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we could do the whole from this to that thing, but I mean, what gets more odds than this?
2: There's so there's so many things about it, not just the movie itself, but like the lore behind it and the the obsession and finding it. Like cause if for those not yeah. familiar, Cry Baby Lane was a made-for-TV special that aired on Nickelodeon only once. In 2000, Once. in October, hosted by Melissa Joan Hart, as Sabrina the Teenage Witch, hosting a Halloween block for Nickelodeon.
0: Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. after
2: this initial airing, it never aired. Well, it didn't. It did air again 10 years later, 11 years later on, like, SNCC. or not SNCC. What is it? The End or 90? When Remember when Nickelodeon did that 90s thing?
1: I feel like there's always um, either... Like a version of Nickelodeon that is for teenagers yeah. or to reminisce. Yeah, there's always some version t-neck, of that. It
2: was, But for oh, like t-neck. 11 years, they did not re-air this and it completely ignored its existence. Nickelodeon just pretended it never happened. They didn't air it again. And in the mid 2000s, mm-hmm. there were forums online, I would say around 2007, where people were like, it's, it's interesting because it is, like, in a way, reliving a real, like, urban legend creepy story where, like, people are like, hey, does anyone remember this? And people have this collective memory of this thing that, like, the network just denies exists.
1: But that's what makes it so incredible. I do love things like that. Like, we talked about Ghostwatch, and I think that's why we brought this up. Um, because... If... If, like, a... Uh, planned programming has that sort of response that it gets never shown again um or at least until 11 years later for the nostalgia factor um then in a way like what you're saying is it becomes its own urban legend like the um the secrecy around it the hush hush aspect of it kind of adds to the eerie element of it
2: exactly and Online forums, kept searching for it, and then I think it was uh, the Paranormal Forum on 4chan that really brought this to light, and people would, like, submit clips or photo screens of it and, like, really press the issue. And, like, there was even people claiming that they had it on VHS and were trying to sell it.
1: Did that really happen? Yeah,
2: it was a whole thing, but uh, it officially, it never, it still doesn't have a real release, but you can actually watch, like, we watched it on YouTube because by 2021, somebody with a VHS version of it just puts it online and we can all watch it.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking back to who I was in 2000, like, little nine-year-old baby me, and there was no way I was watching this as a kid. Like, I don't know if my parents knew about it, and they just said no this is not happening there's no way courtney can watch this or if you know it just kind of flew by the radar because like we said in a previous episode if you miss something that was it yeah
2: it was over i i actually do remember when i because i think we were in the fourth or fifth grade when this came out fourth grade right
1: we would have been in the fourth grade, yeah. yes.
2: And I yeah. do remember seeing ads for this. Like, I do remember the the trailer, like, Cry Baby, Lane, you know, original movie. Oh, really? Yeah, but then it, because that's the thing. Like, my attention span was so dumb and short. And, like, I remember seeing it going, oh, that looks creepy. But thinking, like, I'll catch a rerun of it. Because there was no way on a Saturday night I was going to be watching. Like, I, I was doing other things. I don't know what I was doing. I was I was in the fourth grade.
1: That's. I mean, that's a good point. We were probably doing fourth grade things like going out trick or treating or going to like. I remember our town center used to have a pretty poppin Halloween. Oh yeah, party.
2: The, the the right yes, so the center or going to like there was uh, even back then there was the Emery Spook Walk still, which I right. have footage of. That shit was amazing. Um, that's a, so
1: we were probably doing stuff.
2: We were doing stuff, so I missed it, and it never because normally that's the thing. A lot of times, especially when we're like busy kids, you get the rerun of it. We mm-hmm. like they only aired it this one time and never again. So like I, it completely escaped my memory, but the thought lingered. So when people, I remember being on like online when this thing gets talked about like ten years ago, and being like, oh my god, I remember that. I have not watched it until last night. Oh, really? Yeah, and should we start with our thoughts on it and give a quick review, and then I'll do the history of the whole thing?
1: Yeah, 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 let's start there. Um, I do have a question about the VHSs people would sell. Sure. Were they just homemade copies of, you put the blank VHS in the VCR and press record? Yep. Huh, that takes a lot of trust And it's going to be what you think it's going to be.
2: Exactly. But luckily people put it on YouTube and it's full. I even love because the version that you and I watched features Mm -hmm. the Militia Joan Hart intro.
1: It does. And that's
2: that's like really what makes it for me. Like that's fun. That was the fun part of it. Watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch on a couch with like these Halloween decorations talking about the movie. It was
1: wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have a little game I think we could play. We kind of did something similar for Twilight. Um I would love to see what we would think of if we had to revamp the cast for this.
2: Oh, that sounds like fun. I also had f- okay. another game I wanted to propose to you. Oh really? <laughs> but my game is okay. my game's a little bit more uh cynical. Do you want to know what the game okay. is?
1: Yes, I do want to know what your game is. So
2: when we talked about Big Bob from Hey Arnold, we definitely did. we made the assumption that he would have absolutely been at the insurrection. Totally. So my new game is based on as we watch things from the past. Does this character go to the insurrection?
1: Ooh, ooh, okay. Because
2: okay. I definitely thought at times the like this, there's something the brother with, the brother I'm like this brother okay, he okay. definitely went to the insurrection
1: <laughs> Okay I was thinking that throughout the whole movie too I was just like god dang this guy makes some general sweeping statements about other people
2: Well not just that the whole movie is this weird yeah. commentary on gender identity like the yeah, whole thing Yeah
1: masculinity like, Yeah
2: like boys should be out playing on railroad tracks Girls don't do that. That was
1: insane. That was crazy. And I was really like, are they going to kill this kid with a train right now? I don't know what this movie is capable of. They, They hit a dog early on.
2: They almost killed the kid with a train.
1: Yeah. It was... I, like, there were just some choices made that I couldn't understand. And then, like, even the mom was talking about how she thinks wrestling is barbaric, which I always thought as a kid, too. But her acting is so bad that it makes it hard for me to resonate with that.
2: And they everybody bl- everyone blames her. Yeah. She's and just then, a concerned you know, mom.
1: Yeah. And then the dad just... I don't know. It seems like he has depression or something. Something's going on there because he just doesn't care what his kids are doing at
2: all. Well, let's ask the question. Does the dad also go to the insurrection?
1: I don't think he also goes to the insurrection, no. but he might be that kind of person that's like, I didn't vote because I didn't like any of my choices.
2: He, You know what? I agree with you. I also think the dad read Fight Club and took the wrong message from it.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely
2: because he's like my life's boring and it sucks but he reads this book and he goes i should do a fight club too
1: my favorite interpretation of fight club which is like the most recent one is just this is a gay love story oh 100 percent. yeah yeah i love that um i know that there are other ones like we've gone over the evolution of the meaning behind fight club but at this point in 2000 that dad totally just wants to be brad pitt oh yeah yeah. um. But I, I like this game of would they have gone to the insurrection?
2: 100%.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think he just would have been the kind of guy. He would have played devil's advocate like somebody else in a conversation would bring up the insurrection and how traumatic and terrifying that event was. And he would just say something really, really... Like, it's not even his own thought. He just wants to bring it up to be that person and say something like, well you know, they weren't really in the building that was being attacked or something like that.
2: The amount of people there wasn't what they said it was.
1: Yeah, they were in a completely different part of the building.
2: Yeah, it's... But how how do we break this down? Let me, you want me to start from the top?
1: Okay, let's, uh, yeah, let's try to get it going from the top and see how we go.
2: I will give it this I also I think some of it like the the intro is pretty great this weird like black and white creepy montage of just random Ohio shit it it was filmed in both New Jersey and Ohio
0: it all happened some time ago there was a farmer his wife gave birth to twins, but something was terribly wrong.
1: Both are terrifying places.
0: Yeah.
2: Frank Langella. Both are spooky. Yeah, Frank Langella, the Frank Langella, is playing like...
1: Frank Langella.
2: He's playing this guy who runs a... What is it called? A morgue. A morgue. He pl- he's telling these two kids a story about this fucked up ghost urban legend story where a family has conjoined twins and the father's so ashamed that he, like, hides them in the basement. One of them is good and one of them is evil. But then one gets sick and it kills both of them. So the dad, instead of just, like, you know, not that it's good, not that this dad's good, but you figure if he was ashamed of them, he would just bury them together and just forget about it no he, the wrong
1: kid dad
2: he literally saws them the, the twins in half and buries them separately the good kid in the in the regular cemetery and the bad kid at the end of a lane called cry baby lane where some people at night can hear the baby crying
1: this is one minute into the movie yeah this
2: is at the very top this is a very like okay are you afraid of the dark It did have some wild episodes, but I don't think it ever got to this level. Like, this is... Like, as an adult, it's not bad, but, like, I think to myself in the fourth grade, and I'm like, this would have given me some fucking nightmares. Like, this is wild.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't take a lot for me to be scared as a kid. When we watched Monster's Blood, the Goosebumps episode, I thought that any chair with a crack or a crease in it, Monster's Blood would come out of it, so... Um, I, this would have been terrible to me. And, and it just. But one minute. Yeah, just one, one minute. minute. into this movie.
2: So, literally, that's the way this starts. These kids are told a ghost story, urban legend, which I also mm-hmm. love. I love urban legends and ghost stories, so that was great. And as dumb teenage kids do, they're like, they're daring each other. They're freaking each other out. The younger brother's a chicken. The older brother is, um, a problem child.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like this movie addresses that you you expect that people who are older than you to look after you and tell you how to live your life and that they're wiser. No, they're just older. Yeah. They've just been stupider for a few more years than you have. Yes. Yeah.
2: And that's a running theme throughout this, that the younger brother is, is, is scared and everyone blames the mom because she's overprotective. When she's just a normal mom, like... Like, nothing she did seemed too much to me at all.
1: No, and I don't know, we'll get into the mom thing. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I'm starting this movie, and you had already texted me, like, I don't know why this movie was banned. And then they go into um, a, a tale of Siamese twins who were sawed apart at death. And one is buried in the family in the town grave. And then the other one is buried off somewhere else because the father was ashamed. And I was just like, this is this is what we're dealing with here. This is where we're starting. Yes. It was wild.
2: It was very wild. So younger brother gets nightmares, gets the older brother in trouble. Mm -hmm. Mom's like, don't hang out at the fucking morgue, which good point. Why are they hanging out at the morgue?
1: Yeah, and also there's just this creepy dream sequence where it's just um, some shots of some worms and then a saw. (laughs) You just see a saw. Yeah. And then some Ohio greenery, I presume, or New Jersey greenery. And then he's like, oh, my God, that was so scary. And I was like, yeah, that was scary.
2: That's a lot of images.
1: Yeah, it, it felt like the sequence in the office... When, um, when they try to play that horror movie. And they're like, it is a titular, it is a famous horror movie made by director O'Tour. Like, it was that kind of a horror sequence. Yeah,
2: it definitely felt like a weird, like, 90s, like, grunge music video, like an Alice yes. in Chains. Or even like a, like a video for Tom Yates, which, fun fact, the, orig- the director of this movie wanted Tom Yates instead of Frank Langella.
1: No, I think this needs Frank Langella. Frank
2: Langella sells it; he really does. But he really does. Originally, he had Tom Waits in mind. No, but too Frank, scary. Yeah, that's the thing. Frank Langella. The network wanted Frank Langella because he's more marketable, which I don't get because they didn't put it in theaters. So who were they? Like, and there's a whole bunch of weirdness. I'll get into it later. But like,
1: yeah, there was a marketing goal to this.
2: There was there was a marketing goal, and then uh. So older brother's like, I have an idea. We're going to bring these girls because how do you get girls? Which, you know, what's the weird thing is that it clearly seems like the girls want to hang out with them already. Like the girls already kind of like them. So I don't understand this premise of like, we have to up the ante to impress the girls. It's like, they already like you. What are you doing? He
1: literally said, "Um, girls love to be scared out of their minds. And I was like, okay, that... um, is a really terrible tactic just to begin your dating game with. Yeah. Don't do that. But
2: they already like them. Like, they, they, it's like very clear that these girls like these boys. So it's yeah. like, is I guess this is that like again, bad masculine energy. Like he's like, it's not enough that they like me. I have to dictate and control everything because like that's what happens. Like, yeah. His plan is to bring him to the graveyard. He plants. Um, a tape player. And And they even
1: say at one point when they're walking to the graveyard, they're like, why do we do everything he says that we should do? And I'm like, this is a terrible dynamic just off the bat.
2: Yeah. His plan is he rips a root from the grave, which apparently starts the whole problem. He rips the root, hides a tape player underneath it. They go to the graveyard at night and they perform a bullshit seance. The stupidest seance of all time.
1: Stupidest seance. Also, I don't think that they hammed up that moment enough with the root.
2: They should have because you see him
1: pull the root, and you're like, dumb idiot, you shouldn't have pulled that. But they didn't zoom in or do any eerie music. I really thought that they were gonna play it up.
2: Yeah, they really didn't communicate that pulling the root was the problem they just said like oh he mm-hmm. pulled the root but it's like and then you find out much later like oh yeah that was a bad idea
1: yeah yeah like you i also fer- love the way that that information is delivered later on
2: yeah you forget by that point that he pulled a root
1: yeah yeah
2: they he pulls he pulls the root they you know, they do the whole seance he pulls the prank Haha! laugh out loud you know lols pog their own um right and then they hear crying. Oh, you
1: guys yeah
2: but then they actually hear a baby cry and they get scared and run away from the cemetery
1: oh and there are worms that appear there too. are
2: worms you are right my bad if i'm if i'm jumping around it's because i'm like there's a lot here isn't there
1: well also it's it's bringing out the adrenaline in us which is why i started just being like tom what the fuck is this thing? yeah <laughs> But, it, okay, so, there are worms. That's another thing, too. Too many worms for my liking.
2: Yeah, there's worms everywhere in this movie.
1: And I know that part of, like, being a kid in the, in the aughts in the 90s and Nickelodeon was like, slime, dirt, worms, but it hit my worm threshold really early on at this point. Yeah. <sighs> my worm capacity had been reached at, just at this point, and... So they, they run off, and they're like, oh, my God. And, and then they possess the dog. Yeah,
2: the, the the demon baby. Well, here's the weird thing. They don't tell you until later on. And I'm just going to say it up here because I don't care. Um, no. Apparently, the mistake was that the babies were switched, and the evil one got buried in the cemetery. And right. these dumb, dumb kids just happened. Because they were like, pick a random kid's slot. They picked the exact slot of the evil kid. Yeah, yeah. And now he's but, out for revenge and can possess people. He doesn't possess just one person. He possesses, like, the whole town.
1: That's a really powerful demon.
0: Yeah. First of
1: all. First of all. Second of all, that reveal where Franklin Langella is, you know, announcing that he made the mistake, and then he says, what can I say? I'm better with animals. That's not just, you know, here are some... Progress is in some flaws I'd like to fix in my work. <laughs> That's a huge mistake.
2: It's a huge mistake. And he says, he's like, I'm a bad, yeah, I'm a bad, what is it? Gatekeeper? It's, I forgot what he said.
1: Uh, m- Mortuary. Oh, boy. You know, words would be great. Wouldn't he's words bad be at be great? His,
2: I think it's just he's bad at his job.
1: Wouldn't words be good? The Undertaker. That's what it is. Oh,
2: yeah. He's the Nicholas. bad Undertaker. Well, it's just this movie's also full of wrestling memes and references. They, like the older brother has the Undertaker poster in his room.
1: I love that he says, "And I'm Steve. Co- I'm Co- I'm Steve Cold Austin, <laughs> whatever it is." I ruined that.
2: Stone Cold Steve Austin.
1: Yeah, that's his name. I know wrestling.
2: It's all good.
1: Um, but. It seems like he makes a lot of mistakes as an undertaker, because apparently there's some beef with the kid's mom.
2: Yeah, he. They don't up. quite
1: explain that.
2: He screwed up her mother's funeral, I guess.
1: Yeah, and then there's another issue with Jim Gaffigan.
2: Yeah, who shows up in this for like a scene?
1: Yeah, and even though he's super young, Jim Gaffigan, you just look at him and you think, that bald man is Jim Gaffigan. Yeah,
2: I saw him. I'm like, wait, is that Jim Gaffigan? And I looked and I'm like, it
1: was. (laughs) He just appears for five seconds. And also, you know, they're upset because of cold cuts and coffee. If those are the mistakes that Frank Langella is making, fine, so be it. It's coffee and cold cuts. Also, it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things that you have to pay for when you have to bury somebody. Like, it's only $30 for coffee and cold cuts.
2: That's actually, they make that
1: very clear. That's
2: a good price, to be honest.
1: For a yeah, whole yeah.
2: service, $30 for coffee and cold cuts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really understand the anger there. So then I'm wondering, you know, are his mistakes really that bad? Or is he just a, you know, is he just a good guy and everyone else is super sensitive about it? But then at the same time, he says, oops, I switched the babies away around. Then that's a problem.
2: Also, who the hell is the guy that works for him who's just asleep in the bulldozer?
1: I love that guy.
2: He literally. Actually, like... I
1: love I love both of his employees. Yeah. I love his nephew. And I love the guy who sleeps in the bulldozer. The
2: guy who sleeps in the bulldozer, he wakes him up the day that he he discovers the dog that's possessed, but like... Yeah. He literally goes up to this bulldozer, and the guy's sleeping in it, and then he's like, will the plot be ready by Tuesday? And the guy's like, no. Like, what do you mean (laughs) no? This is your job, and you
1: literally slept here. I know. And then he's like, did you see anything weird happen? And he's like, what do you think? I live here, and... I yes. mean, based on the fact that you were sleeping in a bulldozer, yeah, pretty fair to ask that question. You quite literally live
2: here, you dope.
1: Yeah. So then they see the the dog barking at them. And I don't know. I, I figured this was a good way to lead into something weird is happening here. But man, I, I didn't want to see a dog be evil.
2: The dog was you know, properly we, evil.
1: It, you know, this is Benji all over again.
2: Yeah. What the
1: fuck, Benji? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Benji. <laughs> Should we tell that story real yes, quick? Yes,
2: please tell that story.
1: Okay, okay. I'm clearly not good with horror things. I don't like the idea of animals being evil. I love animals. Um, but so Tom and I, we we were on vacation. We went to Disney. And we were staying in your home in Florida and we were playing um, a game on our phone where, you know, the person holds up the phone and they have to guess what it is, and everyone around them gives them clues. What was your pick? Was it horror movies? Was that the genre that you chose? I
2: think it was just movies in general. It
1: was just movies. So, you know, Tom, our friends Alyssa and Eric are giving clues, and then there's one movie that comes up, and I'm like... Stephen King, evil dog, possessed, uh, is murdering everybody, and Tom says Cujo. Yes, and that's when I go, oh no.
2: Yeah, the <laughs> I think mov- I've
1: made a mistake.
2: Yeah, the- <laughs> Cujo is the Stephen <laughs> King movie. Right, but you- but that's not
1: what you were given.
2: I I thought it was Benji. (laughs) Benji, the 1974 family romance about a dog.
1: Yes, that saves orphans.
2: That saves orphans. Benji doesn't look anything like Cujo.
1: Watch out for that killer. He's crazy. (sighs) Damn Benji. So that was... And after your session was over, like after the time was up, we all just turned and looked at each other and were like, what happened there? And I was like, I think I've made a huge mistake I have no idea what Benji is. And then that's when we looked it up and we just saw the cutest little dog that ever existed. And I was like, that is not what I thought it was at all.
2: I'm texting Alyssa right now and I said, remember yeah. Benji?
1: <laughs> she reminds me all the time.
2: The most violent dog ever.
1: <laughs> I got a really weird Starbucks name for the first time in a while. It said Ormie. And I texted it to her. I said, you should save this one in your quiver for the next time you want to humiliate me. And she's like, I already got Benji. <laughs> so like, I don't a, need to try hard.
2: Such a vicious fucking dog.
1: I have an Ivy League degree and I know exactly uh, what Benji is. <laughs> I only like to throw that around when I make stupid mistakes.
2: <laughs> that was amazing. I love that. I
1: feel <laughs> My like... Favorite... Go ahead, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, my favorite part about that incident was just that you so confidently assumed Cujo was the answer that before we even had a chance to tell you that's not it, you just went on to the next one.
2: Yeah, because it was Cujo.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was describing Cujo to you.
2: You described Cujo.
1: <laughs> it was a good trip. It
2: was a good time. Sorry, I feel was going to say something. I was going to say, mm-hmm. I feel like with this movie, we've given the general plot. Like, the the baby possesses the town. I think we could just go through moments that made it for us. Like, I don't think going through this chronologically is worth it. I think us just rambling about the things that got to us is worth it.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is not going to be a chronological issue of no. episode if you want to know what happens then you should watch crybaby lane for free on youtube it
2: is for free on youtube and it's at best it at best it gives you nice halloween vibes i definitely love the melissa joan hart intro
1: i think that was also funny about the marketing and how quickly they rejected it because they set up this whole thing on the sabrina set for her to do this introduction you know being all casual and cool saying oh here we go here's cry baby lane and then this thing starts
2: (sighs) there's a lot here yeah (laughs) Uh, also it was i want to say it was directed by a guy named paul laurie Lori, i think his name is he's -hmm. known for directing a couple hip-hop videos as well as a couple episodes of other nickelodeon shows he's also wow he also did a he's done episodes of brooklyn 99 scrubs he's done a couple things
1: I love Brooklyn Nine Nine.
2: He got his start with like, um, what did he get his start? He got his start with like, where is it? Uh, what's that show? The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh man. Yeah. So he's already like a like a Nickelodeon. Like that's why it was easy to pick this guy. Right. He's even. He credited. had something
1: that they could work with. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He he's
2: so mm-hmm. he's you know they pick him. And what what else was I going to say about this movie? This movie... I forgot what I was going to say about this movie. <laughs> Remember the part with the spider, the CGI spider comes out the girl's mouth?
1: Oh, oh my God. I did not like that at all. And I, I spent most of the movie questioning that because I saw the picture on IMDb and I kept thinking... I know that a spider is going to come out of somebody's tongue at some point. And then they do it at the end. And I was so grossed out. Um, Even that scene was so weird because... Okay, well, leading up to it, once you know that uh, people are starting to get possessed in the town, this person in a car is listening to the radio, and the person on the radio makes an announcement. A group of rebellious girls are running around causing trouble. Watch out for them. And I thought that they meant the three girls that we were introduced to. So I couldn't believe why that would be a radio announcement. Yeah. And then he gets thrown off the road by something and he crashes his car. And then you just see a parade of maniacal girls causing a muck around the city. Yeah. And I loved that imagery so much.
2: Also, I will say I love because like when you the way they tell you that a kid's possessed is that their eyes will go white. Right. Which to me, I think it's very much an homage to village of the damned. Okay. Which is, well, there's two, there's the original and the remake by John Carpenter. It's a movie about a group of kids who just wander into a town. Like they're all like these white, white haired kids with glowing eyes that just like, can okay. psych like, like telepathically control the town. So it's yeah. very much, I think like an homage to that
1: okay but... i also i feel like corn oh. corn in general cornfields
2: yes like uh children of the corn
1: yeah yeah and there was a moment that distinctly brought me back to a goosebumps episode that i did like but it was still scary to me was the scarecrow episode
2: oh yes
1: Mm Mm-hmm, and that has a lot to do with cornfields. Cornfields, in general, are a pretty great spooky thing. I mean, it's seasonal. Yes. You know, you go to a pumpkin patch. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, like, that shit's scary as hell.
2: Because you can hide in the cornfields.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, with this rambunctious girl gang that is being possessed, at the end of the movie, they circle him... And the one that he likes tells him to kiss her. Or else they're going to bring out Chi-Chi. And it's this gigantic... Gigantical. That's not That's not fair. The way they present it is not fair.
2: But this say, taller. I would say muscle-bound girl.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but they present it as like, okay, she's going to beat you up now. I'm like, what is happening in this movie?
0: Yeah, a
2: lot happens.
1: And it's only
2: an hour and ten minutes.
1: Oh, my God. And then when he finally gets, like, brought into the grave and then he uses the worms to possess him, I'm like, no, 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 no.
2: Yeah, it's wild.
1: I'm like, oh, stop it. And then, like, the way that they show him in the grave, I don't know. It was wild.
2: It's a wild ride of a movie. Although I won't lie, I I did get bored at some point and I think I nodded off a little bit and then I woke okay. up for the ending.
1: What part do you, did you start to get bored for?
2: Uh, right before there's the scene where the nephew of the gravekeeper is mm-hmm. driving the hearse through the cornfield and this guy, which was a kind of threatening scene... This guy driving this like giant tractor just bulldozes the car with the kid in it.
1: Oh my god, that was crazy. Yeah. Um I I really liked the nephew.
2: He was great. Because
1: he just was so in his own world. He's just sleeping on the tray. Um and then he's like, "Yeah, I know where it is." And then they get in the car, and he's like, "What are we doing?" Yeah. Um, I thought
2: he was gonna. I thought it was gonna turn out he was possessed, but it, no, he was just stupid.
1: I kept waiting for that too, and I wonder if that was intentional. If, if you know, they wanted you to think: Is he possessed? Is he not possessed? No, he's just—he's in his own little world.
2: Yeah, because he—they were literally like really far into the plan already, and he literally just went. He goes, "What are we doing?" And I'm like, "What do you mean? What are we doing?"
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Like He's doing do you, his own thing. Like you've been on this thing for like the past like half hour. How do you even forget what you're doing?
1: Right, right. It is kind of a miracle that they found Crybaby Lane
2: oh, where yeah, they needed it to be. Because they, the way they have to stop this curse is they have to go to the grave, the unmarked grave of the good baby, and like what they they have to like plant a weed or pull a weed and. So the good brother soul can come out and stop the bad brothers. I don't know the plot.
1: Oh, so that was a funny thing, right? Okay, so Frank Langella shows up at his co-worker's place, who's getting ready for a date. Clearly, and um, as soon as he realizes his boss is checking in on him, he pretends to be sleeping and not well still from the dog attack. By the way, they hit a dog. They hit a dog. They did in this hit movie. a dog. Yeah. They don't show it, but you know that's exactly what they're doing. And he's like, is there, you said that this was bad luck, what do you mean? And he said, well, you're not supposed to mow the lawn near the gravestones. And then Frank is like, why is that? And he says, there's always a weed or a root that is connected to the soul of the dead and you can't cut that, um... I could, I could see that. I, I get that. I don't like to mess with cemeteries. Some people love to mess with cemeteries. I don't like to do that, just out of respect to the beings that are there. Yeah. And my favorite thing about this moment is that this is the first time Frank Langella is hearing this information, and then he immediately repeat, repeat it to our protagonist as if he knew this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> You you just received this information 20 minutes ago. Oh, and you're he, acting like this is solid advice.
2: We already know he's bad at his job.
1: Yes. Yeah, but also it's Frank Langella. He's very endearing. Yeah. He's so good. But, so, yeah, they first say, well, you gotta pull the weed from the other grave site. But then... They also say, you have to pull the weed that is connecting the twins to each other. So then they change it?
2: Yeah, I don't know what the- like, is the idea- like, what's the idea here? That they let the other twin go so that they could stop? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think- I think that they had a rewrite in the middle of shooting, where they changed the line, and then they just didn't change it at the beginning.
2: Yeah, I don't exactly. Because all I know is that, like, he does the thing, and then everything is just back to normal.
1: Yeah, because to me it makes more sense if there is a root that is connecting them that you would sever that. Now that I'm saying it, don't ask me how that makes more sense, it just does. It makes more sense to me than equally cutting off a different root at the other twins' cemetery.
2: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how this worked.
1: Yeah. Um also I like how they used flowers to be like see the good twin is here. Like and then he pulls a flower and I'm like did he just do that? Did it does that count?
0: Yeah,
2: I was worried. I'm like wait a minute, isn't that what you're not supposed to do? He gives what it to is- his he gives it to his crush and she's like what? No card. I'm like yo, this kid literally went through the worst and you're going to be what are you doing?
1: She has standards, Tom. Yeah, she has this... expectations that need to be, meet, yeah, to be met. Yeah,
2: but this kid just saved the whole town from. She evil... doesn't
1: know that though. <sighs> she said that it, it, they all said it seems like a bad dream.
2: It yeah, it did seem like a bad dream. Even watching it felt like a little bit of a bad dream.
1: I I'm fine with her demanding more than just getting. A flower from an unmarked grave. (laughs) Yeah, that is odd. I would be like, I don't want this flower. You could have just gone to a florist and gotten me flowers. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought the same thing. I thought that him plucking the flower would have set the whole thing off again.
2: Maybe that was what they thought about doing. Maybe they wanted to make a sequel. Who knows? I have no idea. Courtney, what is this movie?
1: I know. (laughs) What is this movie? Um... I don't even know, I don't even know if I can say that I like it. i'm I'm still processing it, so I don't know, did you like this movie?
2: I appreciated it. There's definitely okay. it I will say that like I think I was I think at the the first half hour, I was grinning the whole time because it just felt good. It was like I love the intro at the top. I mm-hmm. love this weird spooky scenery. I love a good urban legend. I love the ghost story element. But I think Mm -hmm. the movie just goes on and on and on. And I'm like, this isn't very good, is it?
1: I don't think that it needed to be more than an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. Because I think the more time they gave it, the more they had to fill it with stuff and the more complicated it got.
2: The stupider it got.
1: Yeah. Like, if you give it more time, then there's more room for us to question it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: This should have just been a half hour
0: thing. I, I think so. Yeah.
1: Um but it just was it blew my mind to just start the movie and then they go into severing twins.
2: Yeah, that I think that was <laughs> that really it had a very strong top. At the very beginning it's yeah. just like, Oh wow, this is this is where we're going.
1: Yeah. It was it was a bit like the year twenty twenty where at first you're like, Alright, cool, cool. This is this is gonna be a good year and then it just mm Yeah? Somebody pulled a root. Somebody pulled a root. Yeah.
2: So, I have mm-hmm. story about... I have a little bit of history on this and Nickelodeon in general, if you want me to get into that.
1: Yeah, I think it's time. I, I don't really think we need to keep um, harshing over what goes wrong in the plot of this movie.
2: No, you just gotta watch it for yourself. Yeah. So,
1: so, uh, you found some history on this, and I'm so glad you did because I didn't yes. look into this at all.
2: So, what to give you a find? Quick story about Nickelodeon themselves. The network started, and mm-hmm. I didn't realize it goes this far back. They started in the 70s. Oh, okay. 1977.
1: I kind of the 80s. Okay.
2: Well, it, it go. You know what it is. It. Because in my mind, Nickelodeon, MTV, they're all—they were all part of Paramount. They were all part of Viacom. Mm. So, like in my mind, I've always envisioned it as so, but that's actually not the case. It started in the late '70s under the one of the Warner Broadcast companies.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: Before Warner got purchased up and became the massive conglomerate that is Time Warner Entertainment, but at this point, I think in the '80s subsidiaries get sold off and then nickelodeon's purchased by viacom and that's when it becomes the nickelodeon that we know i think the late 80s early 90s is really when it became more the nickelodeon that we know because it was originally just like rebroadcasts of like international really inexpensive content which it always still was Mm -hmm. like Mm
0: -hmm. how many canadian
2: yeah canadian shows but there was even an um, anthology horror show on Nickelodeon in the 80s called uh, The Third Eye, and it was from like England. Oh, Jesus. So, like, Nickelodeon's always, I mean, not always, because it doesn't anymore, but it mm-hmm. used to be very much saturated with like child horror entertainment.
1: Mm hmm. Because then. I mean, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, of course, there is a lot of. Um, psychology around not showing children scary things I, I know that but at the same time I feel like we constantly find that um, the people who write these shows for teens or kids now it just treat them like they're dumber than they actually are so that is what's kind of nice about some child horror ghost stories or the kind of cartoons that we grew up with because I feel like we grew up with some really great content, you know?
2: Yeah, and I'll be honest, like, I love, and I still do, like, as a, ki- I think a lot of kids, not all, but a lot of kids love this shit. They love urban legends. Yeah. They love spooky stories. Because in a way, I think it is, and it, you're right, like, a lot of people treat kids, they don't respect them as individuals, they treat them as dumb kids. Horror mm-hmm. or spooky stories, I think, gives kids, one, it's very creative and imaginative, and two, yeah. When you when you're a kid telling a creepy story, it's like all of a sudden you de- you're not demanding. You're you're kind of given the authority of someone who de- you kind of demands respect. Like you're a mm-hmm. group of friends telling a scary story, and if your, sto- your story is scary, like uh, it, it is like this nice fulfilling role. It is interesting. So like
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from its I inception, like, uh, storytelling is really valuable and then also yeah like you were saying you know with uh ghost stories and horror you know it it does perpetuate children's creativity and imagination and there is like a fantasy and mystical element to ghost stories that I think should not be quelled just because you know we're concerned about what kids are consuming yeah I mean just because I have PTSD and I could still remember being terrified of goosebumps doesn't mean you didn't enjoy it, you know? So we're a pretty good 50-50 example of, like, yeah. it's not okay for some and it's great for others.
2: Like, you shouldn't deliberately try to traumatize a child, but I think a right. ghost story can go... Like, kids... Like and that's I still the thing. liked
1: some of them. I still liked being scared by a few of them. Just my barometer was way lower. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, like... We get to the 90s and that's when Nickelodeon Mm -hmm. really picked up with its original content and that's when you get Are You Afraid of the Dark, which I found out predates both Goosebumps, the TV show, and the books by a year.
1: Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah,
2: Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, predates Goosebumps, the book, and the show.
1: I kind of figured that they were, you know, Marvel versus DC. Are You Afraid of the Dark versus Goosebumps.
2: Are You Afraid of the for Dark some was reason, always better, in my opinion.
1: For some reason, I liked Are You Afraid of the Dark more. That felt less intuitively actually scary to me. But at the same time, when I look back on episode plot lines, I'm like, how? How was this less scary to me?
2: I think Are You Afraid of the Dark was scarier, but I think Goosebumps had a better brand name. Like, it was definitely like yeah. it, like, when it hit, it hit hard. Those books yeah. were very popular.
1: Yeah, there's the Don't Go Into the Basement episode where the dad is just plants. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one? Yeah. He's like dripping green blood, and then oh. at the end, the plants are talking to her and saying they're her real dad. I'm like, yeah. ah!
2: <laughs> it's wild.
1: So weird. So I didn't know that Are You Afraid of the Dark started earlier than Goosebumps. Yeah.
2: But, okay. well, like, the interesting thing about Nickelodeon, and I would say even Cartoon Network the 90s were a time of experimentation they weren't making as much money so they had a little bit more liberty to just experiment with whatever and whatever sticks sticks and are mm-hmm. you afraid of the dark stuck they had like seven seasons uh it the i think goosebumps and are you afraid of dark rap by like the early like right at the 2000s and it's the, the like, the year 2000 really is the tail end of, like, old Nickelodeon. Because here's, mm-hmm. here's one of the theories as to what the actual reason Crybaby Lane was never shown again. Mm-hmm. So Crybaby Lane was originally pitched to be a $10 million movie to be released theatrically under Viacom Nickelodeon. Oh, dang. That idea gets shelved and then gets... Uh, Revived but as a Made for TV movie for $800,000
1: Much cheaper I still can't believe they spent $800,000 on that
2: And they marketed it but there was The interesting thing is when you look At this time the year 2000 For Nickelodeon Mm -hmm. there is this Like almost sudden transition From old Nickelodeon of like Sabrina the Teenage Witch You know all these more experimental Content
0: Mm-hmm. And then
2: all of a sudden, this hyper focus into more te- television, family friendly tele- sitcoms. Not to say that they're bad, but like uh-huh. when when we think of Nickelodeon and the Yachts, we think of like the sitcom shows. We think of like, you know, iCarly, Drake and Josh. Um, what is it? Uh, the Carl, the Brothers Mencia. Do you remember the Brothers Mencia?
1: Oh my God, I remember that show.
2: Every time I hear someone
1: say Miho, I think of that show. I just couldn't remember the title.
2: So one of the theories as to why Nickelodeon forgot, quote unquote, Cry Baby Lane, it's because Cry Baby Lane very much is a product of old Nickelodeon where it was popular because kids love scary content, but it was harder to sell ad ad revenue to, especially with more conservative religious viewership. So it's like, So the idea was that Nickelodeon was already in the 2000s making this internal decision to shift to more Mm family-friendly sitcom Mm -hmm. and was trying to kind of dissociate themselves from the old Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. So once this show aired, I think it was a combination of both. I think this television show aired, which it is just a glorified Are You Afraid of the Dark episode,
1: Mm -hmm. it totally is like the way it plays out the sound effects of the crying yeah you know
2: so i think it was a combination of the executives were concerned that this would be too scary and too edgy for this new brand of content that they were going after because Cartoon network did the same thing Cartoon network did the same thing where they dropped a lot of the more controversial shows And not to say that the shows that they had were bad. It was just very clearly there's a difference between watching Drake and Josh and watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? Even though Drake Bell is a criminal.
1: (laughs) Drake Bell is the scariest uh, component to Nickelodeon that there is along with Dan Schneider. Um, Oh,
0: God. Fuck him.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. And also, it, it does make sense because I was just looking up the dates for Are You Afraid of the Dark. The last season is in 2000. So I feel like we could definitely cover some Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes. Oh yeah, at let's some please point. do that. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um yeah, that sounds awesome. And but you know, you're bringing up what Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network were like during that era. It makes a lot of sense because at that point, it feels like they're more geared towards older kids and teenagers. It seems like there is a direct shift between once that demographic ages out. What are you going to do? You're going to gear towards a younger group then.
2: Get them young, you know? you know, and keep them, and get especially for at like this is something that I've learned
1: mm-hmm. through
2: you know my job and such. Like really, the ultimate, not saying my job in particular, but learning about broadcast and television in general. Mm -hmm. Whenever people are worried, like, whenever people complain about censorship, it's 100% because um, the Christian audience really has a stronghold (laughs) on dictating what gets shown on television.
1: Sure, sure. So um,
2: special little
1: snowflakes.
2: Yeah, very uh, sensitive individuals. So they know that they're much more likely to sell higher time slots and make more money if they Mm -hmm. have a more conscious and safe brand. And like, obviously, I'm not putting down the shows like, you know, like we talk about like Drake and Josh and all those sitcom shows, iCarly, whatnot. Mm
0: -hmm. But like,
2: there's definitely a more sustainability and reliability of consistency to make, it's also because it's like, if you have a sitcom like that, that garners a franchise audience, you can Mm -hmm. sell more merch, you can really market it, you make way more money. Whereas right. like, Are you afraid of the dark anthologies? How do you sell merch for that? Like you can, but who's gonna buy it? Dave's gonna buy it. And Dave doesn't have all <laughs> the
1: money that Nick
0: You know, you Dave, can't
1: Dave he, he if he is listening, Dave, you totally would buy that. He <laughs> don't, already don't even So you know, he fret. told me
2: I told him that we were gonna watch this and he's like, Oh, I I bought Crybaby Lane on VHS. No, he didn't. Yes, no, he, he did. did it. And I'm like, did you watch it? He goes, no. And that's when I'm like, dude, sometimes you just buy things to say you have them. (laughs) I don't think you watch or listen to half the things you own. I think it's just that you
0: have it.
1: You know, you mentioned, um, like, the shift from, um, like, who they show and who they don't show. And I was trying to remember this show, and I, I couldn't remember when it came out. And I, I I think that this was a thing that they experimented with and it didn't go well. Do you remember, "A um, Hundred Deeds of Eddie McDowd"?
2: Yes, I do remember the one. It's the one where the kid's a dog.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's with Jason Doring, who, <laughs> from Veronica Mars fame, and also was a voiceover actor for the Kingdom Hearts series. This um, yeah
2: wow this show had it started. You know what? It's weird. It's almost both because it came out mm-hmm. in 1999. So it's definitely an early attempt to go into sitcom, but it's right, still right. like weird. It's still very weird. It had three seasons.
1: It had three seasons. I remember Seth Green being in it, which is partially why that that was my tie back to it. Because I was like, I've got to find this. I know Seth Green was in it. So I feel like that was one of the shows that was an experiment to try to figure out what was working. But it still contained this weird element of this person did a bad thing. They got turned into a dog. Alison Hannigan
2: was in it, too.
1: Of course she was. Of course she was. Why wouldn't she be?
2: Also uh Danny Tamborelli, who was in like a he was in like a bunch of old Nickelodeon sitcoms and shows
1: wasn't he the young Pete yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, and all that too, I don't feel like entirely was for kids like we definitely watched it, but there were some bits that were definitely more for teens um you know, I mean, the whole news segments definitely. I didn't get any of that. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that this whole thing. I think you're right. I think that it definitely was a shift in a in gearing their content towards a younger audience. I just think that the myth that it was completely forgotten is absolute bullshit. Yeah, like, you that's don't not just.
0: True.
1: Yeah, you don't just forget. That you broadcasted this thing that terrified people.
2: Yeah, so this got rediscovered, like I said, through forums, and eventually mm-hmm. Nickelodeon would re-air it on their Teen Nick nineties segment in the two th- in two thousand eleven, I think, and that's how the story comes full circle. And I do mm-hmm. want to say what I love most about this is that like search for missing content because I think that's also some of the best scary stories. Like this really reminded mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. This really reminded me of a creepypasta called um Most creepy pastas are trash. I'm just gonna say that. It's written okay. by babies. It's written by babies <laughs> and dum dums. Most of them are crap. Like they're really bad. But this one's actually really good. Okay. This one's called and I'll do a quick for our you know, it's the spook it's the eerie
0: solstice.
1: It is. It's the eerie solstice pumpkin spice latte, spooky, savings, season.
2: Yeah, so like there is I'll do a quick version of it, but there is a creepy pasta called The Candle Cove. Have you ever heard of this? No. So, The Candle Cove creepy pasta, which was adapted into a TV show, pretty good TV show on Sci-Fi called um Channel 0. Oh. Channel 0 was a anthology series where every season was a different story based on a creepy urban legend. Okay. And Candle Cove goes as such. On an online forum, somebody posts subject: Candle Cove local kids show. Does anyone remember this kids show? It was called Candle Cove, and I must have been six or seven. But I it's never. It's fake. Found...
1: This whole thing's fake, right?
2: This whole thing's fake, but it played okay. out like it was real. People okay. were reading it as such. Okay. I never found reference to it anywhere, so I think it was on a local station around 1971 or 1972. I live in Iden at the time. I don't remember which station, but I do remember it was a weird time, like 4 p.m. And most of this thread is just people (laughs) responding. Yeah, like after school. Yeah, yeah. So this whole story is mostly people, which is a brilliant concept. It's mostly people responding to the forum with their version of the story, like... This guy responds, it seems very familiar to me. I grew up upstate and was around nine in 1972. Candle Cove wasn't about pirates. I remember pirates. And everyone responds like, yeah, I remember there was this pirate. There was these characters. And then someone responds like, thank you, Jaren. Memories are flooding back. And it seems fun and cool at first. But then it starts to get a little bit more, like, haunting. Like, someone's like, wasn't the villain, the puppet with the mustache, in the village. Mm-hmm. And they, like, they keep going into more details. And then they're like, does anyone remember the skin taker? And then someone's like, Jesus Christ, The skin taker. What kind of kid show were you watching? I seriously could not look at the screen when the skin taker showed up.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: And it keeps building and building and it gets more and more disturbing and haunting. And then it ends on this note, which I love this, the way it ends. It says... I visited my mom today at the nursing home I asked her about I asked her about the show in the early 70s when I was 8 or 9 and she remembered a kid's show, Candle Cove she said I was surprised I could remember that and I asked why and she said because I used to think it was so strange that you said I'm going to watch Candle Cove and then you would tune into the TV to just static for 30 minutes Eww. yeah it was that's 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 what I love about this it's this, this creepy idea that there was this collective memory of a show that just didn't exist.
1: Well, I was kind of thinking that at the beginning of... Um, well, that's called the Mandala Effect, too. Or Mandela. It's the Mandela Effect. I'm sorry. My sister-in-law lovingly uh, got drunk at her bachelorette party and just kept calling it the Mandala Effect, um, which in its own way is a Mandela Effect. But it was really funny. Um, but when we started recording this episode and we were talking about how everyone apparently just collectively forgot about it, you forgot that you even watched it. I don't remember ever hearing about it. And then I was like, well, part of the urban legend could be that once you watch it, you just forget that you ever saw it.
2: Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. there was a creepypasta released about, uh, Crybaby Lane. Oh, really? Yeah, it's trash. It's terrible.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's got all the worst clichés. Like like Candle Cove, great creepy pasta. It's well okay. written, well orchestrated like the idea of reading it as a forum gives it some like validity to like maybe it did happen, maybe there was a local television broadcast station that aired this really fucked up show cuz like that was also the thing about the 70s, 80s and even a little bit of the 90s like local TV is wild. And even yeah. parts of the United States now like, if you go to, like, a small town in Florida with a local station, mm. it's wild. It's mostly religious propaganda.
1: Sure, sure. But I've been thinking about that a lot with how we ingest news from the media these days. You know, we keep fearing fake news. Sorry, I just talked through a burp, which John Mulaney says is the most adult thing that you can do.
2: You're fine. Don't
0: worry. Excuse
1: me. Um, so if that sounds weird in the audio, that was me talking through a burp. Um You know, in the news these days, we have to be so weary of fake news, fake news. But the thing is, fake news has always existed. And in some ways, it was easier when we were younger because there wasn't some digital footprint to it. The only way we can talk about Crybaby Lane is because somebody put it on YouTube for free. Yeah. If it didn't exist on YouTube and if there wasn't, you know, a digital footprint of it, you and I couldn't really say that we know for sure that that was real or not.
2: Especially since the network actively tried to forget it happened.
1: Exactly. So people forget. And also there have been plenty of reporters in the past who had huge newscasting careers. And then you find out that none of those stories were real. Mm -hmm. That's how easy it was to get away with back then. So it totally makes sense to me that people could write this thing on a forum and people would eventually just give it its own validity just based on people responding to it. Because there's no way to prove they're wrong or right.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I was just listening to a story from the last podcast about a religious comedian named Mike Warnke, Mm -hmm. who, like, you could very... He's one of those, like, he made up, like, he was such a liar. He got called out. He eventually got caught for his lying, but he made up a whole fucking story about... How he was a former Satanist, and how he sacrificed babies and drank his own blood, and that he reformed himself to become a child of Jesus and mm-hmm. really pulled mm-hmm. on these religious strings and scammed people out of a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy is he got news coverage, like yeah. literal, like broadcast television gave him airtime to talk about because you know he fueled a lot of this. I will, I'm gonna be honest and say 100. percent it was assholes like this that fueled the satanic panic that eventually leads to QAnon. QAnon is the end result of just decades of satanic panic when there was no real Satan. Like there's like it's just so when you look into how damaging the satanic panic was to a lot of innocent American school teachers and guidance counselors, it's fucked. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, that's part of the problem with. Capitalism and white supremacy is that instead of attacking the actual thing that causes violence or, you know, people to go on these, like, homicidal rampages, is that instead of treating the actual problem, which could be gun control, they go for Well, it's hip-hop music and video games. It's metal music. It's Satan. Satan did that.
2: Satan did it. And it's this guy... It's wild if you ever look into the bullshit this guy pulled. Like, it's it's fucking absurd. But that's that's all I have to say on the matter.
1: Yeah. There's a couple of things I do want to bring up from the movie that mm-hmm. we haven't touched on. Sure. Um, I love Hall. The little kid.
2: Yeah. Oh, he was great. How I, did we... Fr- yeah.
1: I loved him. I loved him. I wanted to hang out with him. He was so cute. He was a and big was...
2: fan of Lord of the Rings.
1: And Star Wars.
2: And Star Wars. I love hearing him quote the Lord of the Rings. This was like, what, two years before the Lord of the Rings would actually come out? Yes. In the... Yeah. It was wild.
1: I, I was so upset when he got possessed. So I was like, no, not you too, Hall. But also, the scene with the one girl who's supposed to meet up with the other girls and she tells the mom, "Don't give that baby cookie dough."
2: Oh my God. Just so angsty. She's like, she's like, "You're gonna kill the She literally said, "You're gonna kill the baby."
1: yeah. And then I felt like it was a little uncomfortable that, like she was the only black girl in the movie. And then the baby cries after she leaves. And then at the same time, I was like, well, that probably wasn't intentional. They were just like, oh, it's called Cry Baby Lane. Let's put a crying baby in it at some point.
2: Also, but she that said whole... the baby was going to die.
1: The whole scene was so awkward. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It, 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 this was interesting.
0: It
2: was definitely like, bizarre.
1: It, I know we're talking about it for about an hour now. But the whole thing is wild. Um, I mean, and you do kind of wonder like what kind of complaints they got. Did they get people who kind of fit that role of like, this is the devil's work. I can't have my kids watching this, you know? I, um,
2: I will take a gander. My mm-hmm. general thought is that this probably got no more complaints than a regular episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? But I think that network executives... It's more so, like, the fear of, like... D- like, it's also, like, you can't really franchise this. Like, you can't right. make money off of this. It's not friendly enough. So, I think it's a mixture of everything. I don't okay. I don't think there was actually that much of an outcry. Because I think it's more likely we would have remembered th- there being an outcry if there were, you know?
1: Right. I mean, I don't know. I... I genuinely just wonder if this completely missed my radar or if my parents shielded me in some way because I never heard anything about this and there are a lot of things that we talk about from the odds where we could talk about how we remember the response being when it happened. This, I have no way of knowing.
2: I definitely think, like, I think... Because here's the thing, like, I think so- like a television station would have covered this story like there definitely would have been like nickelodeon show causes outrage but i think it was generally they a network executive panicked and was like we're never gonna air this again and we're gonna focus on new content we're gonna focus on franchise friendly uh, family content
1: right um i don't know and i i just kind of wonder was that actually for the improvement of the content, or was it a deterrent because I still feel like to this day, like Rocco's modern life and the cartoons that we grew up with from that pre determination of like this is inappropriate this is this is appropriate like I feel like that still was so important, and it was still so good, you know, like the cartoons yeah. that we grew up with and the shows that we grew up with like may have been too adult or too scary, but I also i thought it was fine we no, turned think, out just fine
2: i don't think ultimately i don't think that it was the big the biggest thing is that when because like i said the 90s was a special time for hard to network and nickelodeon to just mm-hmm. experiment they threw everything at the wall to see what stuck so the okay. beauty in that is that you get a bunch of weird shit you get a bunch of shit that not even bad weird just like everything is so different. Like there's something for everybody, but the problem with that from a marketing perspective is you don't necessarily know how to franchise or make like a, like an identity for that. So definitely in the 2000s is when both Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon focused on a very particular image
0: mm-hmm. and tried
2: to franchise everything. So right. the problem with that is that you don't have the room for this wild experimental content because you can't, I don't even think – I think – be, I'll be 100% honest with you. If 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 Ren and Stimpy could make, like, billions of dollars like SpongeBob did,
0: mm-hmm. no
2: one no, – these executives would not give a shit that it was raunchy and gross. Right. The right. only reason that they cared about it being raunchy and gross is because they couldn't sell toys like they could for SpongeBob.
1: It didn't work.
2: SpongeBob yeah. is – and SpongeBob – I love SpongeBob, but SpongeBob is a behemoth of a franchise.
1: We're going to have to cover Spongebob so much at some point. Money. Yeah. money. Yes. Yeah.
2: Like, that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to how marketable is it. And it's harder to market more experimental content. Right. And uh, it is a shame. It is a shame. I think there's room for both. I think there is room for, like, a lot. And I think Adult Swim kind of kept that experimental energy. Yeah. Like, it definitely did. But at the same time, it's because they weren't as worried about selling ad shares at that time of night than, like, the main content was.
1: Right. I mean, I do think that this particular movie, Cry Baby Lane, would have been a marketing nightmare. How do you market this? I I can see from a business perspective, I just hit my laptop for some reason while I was talking. That's that's how you know you're Italian, is because you're talking with your hands so much that you hit your laptop by accident.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Um... I, I can see why, from a business perspective, this would have been a nightmare to franchise and turn into merchandise. I get that, um, but it's also still wild to me that of all of the cartoons from our childhood or all the shows that are still going strong, that it's SpongeBob of all things is not what I expected for the future. It at is, all. More, yeah
2: but here we are and spongebob is still on
1: spongebob is still on tv is tom kenny still doing it yeah bless him bless him and the guy who plays patrick because he had another role in a disney original movie and that's about it like that's all i've ever seen him in yeah it's it's a pretty good disney movie i can't remember it's like a girl wishes for snow in California or like Christmas in California, and she uses this weather machine, and then it completely throws things off. So they send a couple of elves to investigate, and it's two very tall people, and one of them is actually the voice of Patrick.
2: That's awesome.
1: But I kind of wondered too I had been thinking that perhaps this was Nickelodeon's experiment to compete with Disney's original movies. You know, I don't know Possibly, if, they were, yeah. if they were looking at it and thinking, well, we should do that, too. It works for them. And they thought, well, let's create something that's scarier than the famous Halloween movies that they've created for their original movies. And then it went too far. Um, but I kind of wondered if that had something to do with it, too, that they were trying to compete with the original content of Disney and they just missed the mark.
2: Maybe that is a good possibility.
1: Yeah. Also, it's not really fair to conjoin twins.
0: No.
2: No. This is a bad and almost so Siamese twins is very outdated now. It's not a, a appropriate term. It,
1: yes. Yes, that is very true. Um but I mean conjoined twins, like people are born with different needs, you know. They're not one is evil and the other one is good um yeah i I mean i do think twins in general are kind of an interesting anomaly it is i think it's in the office when dwight is like i found twins michael and it's just a couple of twins it's not (laughs) anything attractive (laughs) no and he says i love a good set of twins yeah um but yeah thank you for looking up some history about of course. This. I was yeah.
2: fascinated. I really wanted to deep dive into this. And it did ultimately kind of... Cry Baby Lane is, I think, the turning point from old Nickelodeon to new Nickelodeon. Yeah. Sorry, I had a hiccup.
1: <laughs> okay, so I was kind of wondering. I do love Frank Langella in this role. But the way he tells the story immediately reminded me of Christopher Lee...
2: Who yes, and you know, that would that would actually make more sense to the little kid quoting, uh, Lord of the Rings. That would have been funny.
1: Yeah, so then I started thinking, oh, what would we do? Who would play this role? Who would be the mom, the dad? You know, stuff like that. Who who do you think would be really interesting, as um Frank Langella's character?
2: Honestly, I have to go with the original idea. I think Tom Yates would have, because that's the thing. Really, like, because you know what it is. Frank Langella plays a he plays the role perfectly, but there's moments where like the mom's freaking about freaking out about how creepy he is that doesn't work because I'm like he's not that creepy he's just incompetent.
1: He's but, really not creepy at all. He's actually quite nice.
2: So, but that thing is it would have those scenes would make more sense if he was like a Tom Yates type of person, like playing that like mysterious, dark like gravekeeper type with the deep mm. raspy voice, you know, or or Christopher Lee.
1: Yeah, I think Christopher Lee would have been scary, too. Um, You know that Christopher Lee and Tim Curry were up for Christopher Lloyd's role in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Really? hmm
2: That mm-hmm. would have been awesome.
1: I think that would have been too much. I love Christopher Lloyd in it. But then it kind of reminds me that Christopher Lee and Tim Curry do kind of dabble in the same roles. They do. You know, they kind of tread the same path. Tim Curry definitely does some different things, but I think that yeah. they do intertwine in some areas. So that that's kind of what made me think of Christopher Lee for Franklin Langella's role.
2: What about actually Christopher Lloyd?
1: I love Christopher Lloyd. I, like, he's so great and he's so underrated. Yeah. I love that he did the Rick and Morty thing.
2: He, that was great. That was he, genuinely great.
1: He, it's genuinely amazing that he actually agreed to it. And the guy is 82. Like, he's still kicking it.
2: Yeah. Christopher oh, you know, Lloyd
1: else? would have been really fun. Who else? You know,
2: Robert Englund.
1: Robert England. He hmm. played Freddy Krueger. Oh, no, I don't like that. It's too much. No. <laughs> too much? No, Tom. No. No, I don't like that. I didn't like um. the Freddy Krueger movie. <laughs> I did watch Halloween, and I liked Halloween.
2: Halloween's a good movie.
1: Halloween is a good movie. I really liked it. But I feel like I came into it already having the context that it's a great movie. I wish that I came to it with fresh eyes. Like, you just can't, you know?
2: That's true. It's very... It's by. It's such in the public sphere. Um,
1: who else would be good? Else? Hmm. I want one to more good one. Like,
2: um
1: christian bale christian (laughs) he'd get so into it he would learn mortuary science for a year
2: oh yeah he would
1: i don't know if he would gain weight or lose weight that would be difficult
0: i don't know
1: (laughs) what if crybaby lane came back as a reboot but it was directed by christopher nolan oh god can you imagine?
2: So much exposition. So then Michael
1: Caine would be the Undertaker, and he'd be yes, the he sweetest would. Undertaker ever.
2: Then who would play the kids?
1: Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> I've never actually seen him in anything, but I just feel like he's everywhere. And then Timothy Chalamet would be the older son. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I we feel like it.
2: if th- if they were to remake this today, they would easily just grab the Stranger Kids things.
1: I was going to say Flynn. Yeah. Flynn would definitely do it.
2: Oh, he would 100% do it. Yeah. Maybe they would throw like... Or if they were to remake it today and they wanted to make it cheap and throw... They put like Addison Rae in there for no reason.
1: Yeah, I don't get that at all. And it's funny how I think that TikTok people are having a stronger shift into acting careers than certain YouTubers. Like, I remember when Jenna Marbles was on an episode of The Millionaire Matchmaker, and it was this sort of weird phase of how do we get YouTubers into the zeitgeist of... It's not really a zeitgeist. Into, like, the mainstream of acting.
2: Well, it's interesting because... I think Bo Burnham
1: had a good, you know, transition, but...
2: He's also – his thing is an anomaly, but, like, it's right. also a lot of his own his own passion and drive that did that. But, like, the weird thing – it's because I think this is the reason. Early YouTube, like, I would say, like, late aughts to early 2010s, mm-hmm. those – that generation of YouTube was very much just individuals at home doing content with no expectation of making money. Like, there right. was no There wasn't a brand. Yeah, there was no brand. There was no yeah. monetization. So there was also, unfor- even though these were more authentic people, mm-hmm. there was less, like, preparation for traditional broadcast, but also a lot less legitimacy in it. Like, old mm. media, there's always going to be an argument and division between old media and new media. And Good old point. media is always going to look down on new media because there's this hierarchy that they abide by to keep themselves important. They're mm-hmm. always like, oh, those are... So with YouTubers, it was more difficult to cross. Some people do it much more successfully now. But again, it was harder because they're like, that's like the reality is all these old media is so snooty and stick their nose up in the air and go, oh, that's not real art. I guarantee you, though, the only reason it's more easy now for TikTokers to get into Hollywood is because of money. Mm -hmm. That's 100 percent. the It has because here's the thing. Jenna Marbles is more authentic and a real person that could probably do acting fairly well.
1: I don't really think so, only because, I mean, with Bo Burnham, that was the direction of his content, anyways. He was a comedian, yeah. he was a writer. Okay, he, fair. You know?
0: But Jenna but Marbles was
1: in sports casting.
2: Yeah, but like, but that's the thing. She knows how to bring, she was in sports broadcasting. She knows how to have a presence. She could easily cross over, not necessarily acting, but like, Do something in new media in old media Mm, fairly mm -hmm. well. She could definitely do something in old you know, in like broadcasting space fairly well.
0: Mm. But
2: back in that day there wasn't the money for it. Whereas now, even though like I'm not I'm just gonna be straight up with you, and this isn't a criticism of her as a person, but most of these TikTok stars are terrible, terrible actors. They're not good at it, but their whole marketing is their brand. They sell their brand and their brand makes a lot of money. So now all of a sudden old media is more willing to take a chance on these kids because mm-hmm. they know that the brand will make money. They see like how many millions of people watch on TikTok and they're like, "Oh, that's how many millions of people are guaranteed to watch this movie."
1: Well, first of all, repeating a dance for 15 six, for 15 seconds does not an actor make. And secondly, Addison Rae has been and a lot of these other famous white TikTokers are known for taking media from smaller content, um, created by like creators of color. So that's also an issue. I mean, Addison Rae went on the Jimmy Fallon show and did all these TikTok dances that are by, you know, black and brown creators. And that was a huge issue. But like, I also kind of wonder if maybe the transition has been happening more because, Back then, the internet to TV was a bigger separation.
2: Yeah, now, 100%.
1: Yeah, now scripted content is just all on our computers. It's all on our screens. So there's no shift, it feels, from medium to medium.
2: No, that's a good point. That is 100% yeah. part of the case.
1: Well, we're going to wrap up. I, I, I don't know. Should we ask the question? Do you think that this would be successful today as it was back then? No. I almost I I almost feel like it could be more successful. Really? I do. Because of the nostalgia, if you Okay. If you redid this but set it up exactly the same, it's about kids in the 90s, I think it would work. Mm.
2: Okay, you know what? That's a good point. I mean, yeah. they did they did release like a six-part Are You Afraid of the Dark series. Yeah, and that did fairly well. So you're right. Okay, you're right.
1: I think if you served it as like a spooky movie directed towards teens that was still set in the '90s, I think it would work.
2: Dave would still watch it.
1: Yeah. So, what has been your obsession for the week?
2: Pumpkins.
1: Pumpkins. <laughs> pumpkins. I'm getting
2: over this cold. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Fair. Fair um my obsession has been acai bowls i've been eating a lot of acai bowls oh nice yeah yeah they're good hell yeah that's it
2: all right Ooh. well guys thank you so much for tuning into this very fun and special episode Whew. uh be we sure did to follow yes we did
1: huh that was a lot
2: <laughs> it was but we're through it
1: we're through um,
2: it. um be sure to follow us on the Instagram at the Remember the Zero Zero S podcast. You can just type us into mm-hmm. Google. You will find us in most places, which includes mm-hmm. Spotify, Amazon, maybe?
0: Mm-hmm. YouTube, um,
2: Podbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're one of those people, I guess you could tune in on Apple. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
2: I guess. Mm-hmm. If you have to. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to play with that. My thing is I'm always going to hate on Apple users at the end of the show. It's
1: it's always going to be Amazon maybe, and then if you must Apple.
2: Yeah, if you if if you if you're still using a lightning bolt cable, I guess.
1: I don't know what that means.
2: <laughs> it's the charger.
1: Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Apple still uses the lightning bolt cable, which is um outdated, but they stick to their guns because they're Apple.
1: Because
2: they're Apple. Yeah, but fuck them. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. And have a good, creepy, spooky solstice. No. Eerie? eerie solstice. Eerie.
1: Eerie solstice. I didn't
2: say it. All right. Bye.
0: Bye. And there you have it. Crybaby Lane, an original movie in SNCC and pretty scary if you ask me. But you know, it was educational too. Chock full of valuable lessons such as... Well, it's probably not a good idea to do seances in the graveyard. And you might want to be wary of people with fluorescent glowing eyes. Try not to kiss girls who have spiders in their mouths. Don't trust guys who eat handfuls of worms. And above all, always be suspicious of your siblings. I'm Melissa John Hart, a.k.a. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, wishing you a happy hunting and a howling Halloween. Stay tuned for more Halloween Weekend Stick coming up next.